The Start On Demand. On demand. Mayor Brian Bowman joined us this morning to talk about what the city is doing to ensure social distancing and to tell us what's changing for operations in the city as we head into warmer months. It's a holy week for many with Passover and Good Friday and Easter Sunday. We'll speak with Pastor Bruce Martin from Calvary Temple about how places of worship have adjusted now that we can't go to church. And we'll talk about the shared experiences that we've enjoyed with both strangers and friends, be it a game, a movie, a concert, or even just standing around with your neighbors waiting for the fire alarm to go off because we are all missing being around people. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Wednesday, April 8th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and I just, I got to follow up on yesterday's sleep conversation and kooky dreams because, good Lord, did I wake up today <laughs> in a panic. First of all, good morning to you, Loren. Good morning. And get- go ahead. No, I'm, I'm, I'm loving how every morning now I almost wake up to one of us with some just ridiculous wake-up call. So, and you woke up morning, again Greg. at 1 a.m. Yeah, I just, it feels like now we're just, you know what, why don't we just start our day at 1 a.m.? Greg, what do you think? <laughs> I would be against awake. that. Awake? You'd be awake, though. <laughs> I would be awake, but I would be against that. Okay. Go ahead, Brad. So I wake up, I think at 1.30, in an absolute panic because I had a dream, but it took me an over an hour to finally come to the conclusion that it was, in fact, a dream because it was so real and it was work-related. So I dreamt that an email went out on Monday that we were launching a new show on CJOB on weeknights called LOL. And it was designed specifically to make people laugh in this tough time. I didn't read the full email, though. I later went back and read it again last night in my dream. And the full details of the email said, LOL with Brett McGarry weeknights at 8 (laughs) p.m., And I thought, what? Why am I doing a show at 8 p.m. on weeknights? I'm going to have to tape this. And then it said it's going to have some in-studio guests that have been uh, sought after by our sales team. So I'm going to have to have deal with people coming in from outside. And then I thought, what about Christian and happy hour? This is insane. And I was fully prepared to get up and email our bosses, Brent and Heather, and say, what the hell, guys? And then I finally, finally woke up and realized this is a dream. But when I woke up, I still went and checked my email and did a search for LOL (laughs) with Brett McGarry. That's how panicked I was about this, guys. This, I am stressed out, man. I'm stressed out. That is a lining of all the things we talked about yesterday, Greg, with vivid dreams and it feeling very real, plus a little COVID in there with no social distancing going on in your dream. It's a, it's a that was a nightmare. Yeah, it was. You had a- all the stressors, all the stressors in there, Brett. And the only thing that even comes moderately close to that that I had I guess probably about 20 years ago was I had a dream that me and my buddies from Chi-Chi's, yes, it comes back to Chi-Chi's. <laughs> Chi-Chi's we, in Minnedosa. We, we were we were in Vietnam and oh we were God. on a mission, but we were all panicked <laughs> because we had to get back to work. We had to work that night and we had to get stuff done. <laughs> Did you complete your mission? We always complete the mission, Brett. You know that. <laughs> Do you remember what the mission was? No, I don't remember. It was too long ago, but we were sincerely panicked about getting back to work on time because we all had to, you know, we all had to serve the public. We had to, we had to do our thing. So uh, that is the most vivid dream I've ever had about full-blown panic and waking up and going, okay, no, I've never been to Vietnam, but that felt super real. Went on Twitter yesterday and saw Avengers Endgame was trending. Curious to know why a nearly year-old movie was trending. I had a look at what was going on. And then I saw amongst the tweets was a video that had been retweeted by Kevin Feige, who is the big boss of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And don't worry, this isn't a segment about superheroes. The Avengers are just the setup, the launch pad. Just listen to this clip. Oh my God! <laughs> 
So that's from video of a crowd watching the movie when Captain America wields Thor's hammer for the first time and blows everyone's minds. And Feige, who hasn't tweeted in over a year, by the way, wrote... A nice reminder of what we were all doing together almost exactly one year ago. A nice reminder of what we will all be doing together someday again. And it brought me it brought me to tears. I sat on the balcony of my apartment sifting through other videos of people reacting to various scenes of the movie and saw other people saying things like, damn, I'm sitting in my apartment crying over the Avengers. And uh, so my thought on Twitter was one day soon we'll be able to enjoy shared experiences like this with strangers and at the same time, friends. So that got me wondering, is there... Uh, similar shared experience like this that sticks out for you, whether it's a game, a concert, a movie, whatever. So uh, why don't we start with uh, Kelly Moore, who joins us from home? Well, I'll tell you, it was back in 2013. It was kind of interesting, Brett, when I saw your note come out this morning, and right away I thought of this. We were at the Paul McCartney concert at Investors Group Field, and uh, I didn't know anybody that was sitting around us, but as the we were getting close to the end of the concert, we were all having this great conversation about, okay, what hit have we not heard yet that he, he absolutely has to play? And uh, the consensus pick was Mull of Kintyre, and wouldn't you know it, Paul delivered. Wow. And did you guys look around and like high five each other and stuff? Oh, you. Well, and uh, uh, we were also probably toasting each other with a couple of <laughs> sutsies as well. <laughs> Attaboy. Jeff Braun, how about you? Uh, you? Well, yeah, the movies are a good one. It's happened numerous times in movies. Most recently at the end of Little Women, when I was in a theater with mostly older ladies, and we were all bawling our eyes out the last half hour of that movie and the lights come up and we all looked at each other and smiled and nodded over it and kept drying our eyes it was it was i never really had a moment like that before in a theater that was kind of interesting little women jeff braun how about uh you jeff fortier (laughs) for me um something so simple uh last week we had a fire alarm going off in our building and it was simply just all of our neighbors on my floor were all outside on on um the hallway outside of your apartment keeping our distance but once that alarm turned off we're all cheering you know it's just like yes finally it's quiet something so simple like that you know and you celebrate with your neighbors that's a great moment forte how about uh, you loren McNabb? Oh, there's so many of concerts and sporting events, but the first one I thought of this morning was the Winnipeg Jets uh, 2.0, and when they made the playoffs for the very first time, and I want to say 2014, uh, it was the series against Anaheim, and you knew they weren't going to do well, and that Anaheim was one of the best teams, Uh, but the first game, it's the whiteout is back, everybody's in the crowd, and... Everybody was doing their best, all these men and women and children, not to cry, just for the moment of seeing them come onto the ice. And you knew where it was going to go. You knew, like, you know what, they're probably not going to do well in this series, but it was that feeling, like that official feeling of we're back, baby. And that, um, you know, when your emotions are all on the edge for everybody, and then some people just started crying and said, to hell with it. Like, I'm just going to bawl like a baby in these stands. I thought that was incredible. That sounds wonderful, Loren. How about you, Mackling? Well, the most I ever cried at a sporting event was April 28, 1996, the last Jets game 1.0 at Winnipeg Arena. I traveled through the night to get to Winnipeg from Vernon, B.C. by plane, train, and automobile, and it was the most emotional day that I ever recall. But, Brett, you were in the building the night that we saw come from away at MTC. Mm. And uh, all the emotion of a sporting event, of a big concert in a room with 2,000 people and live entertainers on the stage, I don't know if I've wept as powerfully, as openly as I did that night when they sang that opening number. It was just so powerful. I must have cried six times at that play. And it just embodied for me just the power of being with others and the power of the stage and live performance. So it encompassed theater, sport, and those big concerts all in one, in one tiny little spot. I'm glad you brought up Come From Away because I had forgot, well, I didn't forget about it, but I forgot to think about that in this context. And I, too, cried quite a bit during that show. And the, the date I had brought, at one point she turned and looked at me and said, are you okay, dude? <laughs> so, 
I'm trying to hold back my emotions so I didn't look like a little baby in front of this date, but I couldn't help it. It was such a powerful event. So if you have a similar shared experience that you would like to share with us, text us at 204-780-6868. Doesn't matter what it was. It could be hanging out with your neighbors. could be a game, concert, a movie. I went to the opening night of Snakes on a Plane, for example, and there had been something that had been circulating on the internet where people were supposed to react to different things in the movie. I didn't know about that. Uh, but people were cheering and clapping and chanting. And even though it was a terrible, silly movie, I enjoyed it so much because of that shared experience. And every year there's a report card that grades just how Manitoba's doing in this fight against child poverty. That report card is out this morning. And sadly, although I feel there are many advocates would say this is not surprisingly, this report has concluded the situation in Manitoba is worsening. Compared to the rest of the country, Manitoba has one of the worst child poverty rates in Canada. And if you were born into poverty, Greg, the struggle to get out is severe. And according to the authors of the report, Loren, at the rate Manitoba is going, it will take 697 and a half years to end child poverty in Manitoba. Far cry from pledges to end it by 2020 years ago. Kate Kaler is the executive director of the Social Planning Council of Winnipeg and joins us now. Good morning, Kate. Good morning. This was supposed to be part of a 20-year-long campaign to end child poverty in this province, in this country, two decades in. What do the numbers show and have we made any improvement anywhere? Well, you know what? We have. I I certainly wouldn't want to take away from the fact that the uh, child tax benefit certainly did help. Um, The the problem is, is that we still need better coordination with different levels of government. And so we is particularly obviously the provincial government and the federal government need to align policy. So what is given in one area doesn't get uh, mitigated and taken away in another area. So in the province, we have, you know, rent assist. Um, that's something that they've made changes to that did cut into people's um, income. Uh, things like uh, employment insurance, that sort of thing. Every small little bit that is taken away hurts. Even at the municipal level with the, with the COVID-19, there is actually a delay in the discounted bus pass being released. Uh, so that's another $30 a month that people who are in low income might have been able to might have been able to hang on to. But right now, that program is on delay is delayed. Now, this report was done before COVID-19 hit. There are now thousands of new Manitobans without jobs, without any certainty they might have a job in the months ahead. What concerns do you have for how much worse the situation could get for thousands of Manitoba families? Well, that's just and that's just the problem is that they had no resources. They had no nothing to fall back on to begin with. So we realize that, you know, uh, certainly the federal government, they're trying to rush. We're hearing a lot about debt, de- debt deferral, but those debts are going to come due, come due. So we're really hoping that we actually see some debt relief coming down the line as well. Um, so to help people recover faster from this, but more importantly, as you said at the outset, is that we promised to do this by the year 2000. We should not be scrambling in an emergency situation to get this done. Had we invested all along, everybody would be much better off because, of course, we know poverty costs us. We've been paying for this all along. We've been paying for it in our healthcare system, education, and in our justice system. The healthcare in particular, there was a report last year that came out from the WRHA that said there's an 18-year life expectancy difference in people who live in Point Douglas from people who live in uh, wealthier parts of the city. And we know, Kate, there's a disproportionate number of First Nations that might fall below the poverty line. We also know it's a struggle for new Canadians. And in this report, you speak of a woman called Sarah who immigrated to Canada with her family in 2003, right at the beginning of these promises to end child poverty. Her family struggled, but she it was able to go to university. And then you broke down the math of what happened to her after university. She got a, I don't know, decent paying job is, is the way to put it, but the net income was $2,000 a month. And even after all that, there's only a few hundred dollars left over because there's daycare and car payments and insurance and all the rest. And, and that's those are all numbers many Manitobans can relate to, even if they're not at what the so-called poverty line might be. 
That's it exactly. And the, the report goes into this more detail. And we don't want to take away from the idea that there's a market basket measure. And then there's this other measurement that we use, which is a, a more precise, exact one. If you actually look at the report, it talks about the income levels. And, you know, the idea that a lone parent family with two children is supposed to get by on about $35,000 a year. I mean, how does how does one do that? So Sarah is a real person. She's somebody I know. She has her whole family has worked to settle here to do their best. But you're right. At the end of the day, if we're only looking at income, she's got about $618 to, for, to feed herself and her child and clothe and any sort of extra that comes that comes along. Because, of course, everybody is different. When we look at just an income level, we can say, well, this person is above poverty, this is below. But she has so many other responsibilities towards her larger family that she is always juggling, always. Kate, are those sometimes the people that get missed out when we have this conversation, the working poor, quote unquote, those that, uh, you know, work really hard and uh, not that other people don't. I want to be really clear here. But are these the people that sort of get stuck in the middle, uh, people who are in those lower paying jobs but are working combined 80 or, or 90 hours a week and and they just cannot find any way to to get ahead, it seems. Absolutely. And because that's that's the problem is it is it's exhausting to, to to live at that at that line to always be working. So Sarah, for example, had to take a second job. So she's spending less time with her child, having to find more child care, that sort of thing. So everything is a trade off all the time. And as, as I said, that's what happens when people are desperate. You know, they, they they can make wrong decisions. Sarah is not, obviously, but we do know that that's what happens uh, in the larger society as well is. When people are desperate, they make desperate choices. That's why we really need to look at income uh, and better income support. Kate, we only have about 30 seconds, and I know this isn't an answer that can be given in 30 seconds, but if there's one recommendation your folks would make to governments right now, what would it be? Well, you know what? Spain is responding to COVID-19 by actually introducing a basic income. So I think we need to stop talking about this idea. It's proven effective. And we need to look at it seriously. All right, Kate Kaler joining us live on 680 CGOB, Executive Director of the Social Planning Council of Winnipeg. Thank you, Kate. We appreciate the time. Thank you for the time. Appreciate it. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, $50 gift card for Skip the Dishes. 204-780-6868 is the number. Here is the question. One third of Americans who are now working from home, are also doing this while they are working. What is it? Kevin, what do you think? Games. Playing games. I guess he could be doing... No, that's not... That's a great guess, and I'm sure that's happening, but that's not the answer. John, what do you think it is? Good morning. Yes, I think that the Prime Minister's doing an amazing job at... Oh, no. Sorry, John, we're going to put you on hold, and uh, I'm sure it's a good comment, but we're looking to give away a gift card for Skip the Dishes. Marie, do you know what a third of Americans who are now working from home are also doing while they're working? I'm going to say homeschooling. No, that's not it, but that is a great guess. Diana, do you know what it is? Cooking and cleaning. They're working and cleaning. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's also, I'm sure, what's happening, but that's not the answer we're oh, looking yeah. for. One third of Americans who are now working from home are also doing this while they work. What is it? Sylvia, what's your guess? Hi, watching more TV, more Netflix. Oh, you're on the right track. It has to do with temptation. I'll give you that hint. Joe, do you know what it is? Shopping online? No, I'm sure that's happening a lot, too. Uh, let's go to Carlos. Carlos, do you know what it is? They're drinking. Carlos, Carlos. Yeah. <laughs> they are drinking alcohol while they're working. Oh my! <laughs> Carlos, if you were working from home, uh, would you be tempted to hit the bottle? Oh, absolutely. Are you working from absolutely. home? Absolutely. <laughs> no, no, I'm not working from home. Are you working? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, good to hear that, Carlos. Hey, good job, man. I'm going to put you on hold. Forte is going to get your details. Stand by, okay? Uh, all right. Thanks. Yeah. So drinking while you're working from home. Greg, Loren, any temptation? McNabb? Plead the fifth. 
<laughs> that doesn't work on this side of the 49, McNabb. I've always wanted to say that, though, from all my movie watching. No, honestly, definitely not. But I've had to put, like, rules in place of, of what, what, you know, it's 3 p.m., 4 p.m., 5 p.m. But on our shift, 3 p.m. is, like, 8 p.m. in some people's worlds, you know? So what... What's what's the day? What's the day really? Oh yeah, I get home at you know if I get home at one twelve o'clock, one o'clock, I crack a beer and sit on the patio. What what else do I got to do? But uh, I yeah, it, it I'll say that it's a good thing that I'm in this building right now because I would be tempted to be snacking and and maybe do things that I normally wouldn't want to do during a work day. So right on, Carlos, fifty dollar gift card for Skip the Dishes. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We were talking earlier about shared experiences. I was looking at videos yesterday. Avengers Endgame, the movie, was trending yesterday on Twitter, and I wondered why, and it's because people were posting videos from opening night where crowds were reacting to what they were seeing. And so it got us talking about those shared experiences that are special to us. You know, when you go to a concert, a movie, a show, whatever, and you're enjoying something with strangers who are at the same time in that moment, your friends. And Ada says, here's a special memory. The first game, the Jets came back. My husband and I wanted to make the most of it. We joined the pregame at the Forks, then ran over to, at the time, MTS Center about an hour before and watched the crowds. Watched a limousine pull up with several Don Cherry lookalikes. Keith was wearing his original Jets jersey. We got our faces painted. Then we ran back to the Forks to see the puck drop on the big screen and the Jets fly over. I have a lot of great memories with Keith. Enjoy your day. That, once again, from Ada. Thank you very much uh, for that, Ada. That sounds like a wonderful shared experience. And listen, when it comes to shared experiences for many, Passover starts tonight, and this weekend is Easter. But the way many acknowledge and celebrate these events will be very different this year, Greg. Yeah, there won't be any large gatherings with family No big Easter egg hunts and no church services, at least not in the way they're traditionally done. And that's going to be hard on many Manitobans. Pastor Bruce Martin is the lead pastor for the Calvary Temple, and he joins us this morning. Good morning. Good morning to you. You know, Pastor Martin, it was a few weeks ago, I was talking to a girlfriend of mine, and we remarked that one of the days that was going to be really hard on her family and ours because of the way we used to all get together for Easter was Good Friday, uh, Saturday, Easter Sunday, and there's so many people out there trying to figure out how they're going to navigate these waters as we enter this weekend after several weeks without any church services. So what are you hearing from your parishioners and others about the challenges they're feeling at this time of year? Well, I think we all feel like something's missing, that's for sure. We miss getting together, but it sure has clarified the fact that uh, we better believe that the church is not a building or we're in a lot of trouble. So we, uh, we emphasize the fact that uh, when you get on the phone, as I have been doing and talking to lots of people uh, and we pray together, well, we're the church, right? And uh, so that's what we'll be doing with family and friends. And, and uh, we'll be live streaming for the fifth, Sunday in a row. I never thought I'd ever hear tell of it. I've been doing this for 45 years. Uh, The fact that we have been not allowed to have church is just incredible. I'm just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Well, you mentioned the streaming. A lot of services have gone online, like like your service. So how's it going so far? Well, I'm learning a lot. (laughs) <laughs> I'm a, I'm sort of an old geezer, and uh, it uh, it's been a, a learning curve. But but the people that I work with, people that are part of our technical team at the church, well, like we've been taping for television for many many years. But this is a little different, and learning how to do the music right live on the spot, and and it's it's a challenge. But boy, I'll tell you, we've we've really I, I believe that we will never go back to church as normal. We will certainly have meetings in our building, and we will, but we will have this component alongside of it as long as we'll do it. Like it, it's just part of us for sure. 
Pastor Martin. Uh, we've heard reports in some parts of our country, but mostly in the United States, I think, where they're still gathering in large crowds because in some states it's actually still allowed despite social distancing rules. What do you make of that? Well, and how does it make you feel when, when you see people uh, getting together, regardless of the reason? Well, I heard a pastor uh, give his reasons last night on television. Um, he was sitting at his desk and someone was grilling him and being a bit antagonistic towards him. And I, frankly, I didn't, I didn't like his answers. Um, uh, I think he was, um, being, um, you know, it almost seemed that he was being anti-science and, and was just saying that we don't, he didn't need to be a good citizen. He didn't need to, you know, if you die, we're Christians anyway, and who cares? It's a great thing to go to heaven. And, and I just, I just don't think that that's the right approach to be a to be a good witness for Christ. We need to care about our neighbors, and and we and there may be people who who disagree with this whole scale approach of shutting everything down. But we're in a country where this is this is what we need to do. Like I have learned so much about this virus. I I was not a, a I was not a believer for several days. Like I thought this can't be happening. And then I understood the reasoning behind it. And then the people started to, I know we've been sheltered in Manitoba. We have not had that many people pass away, but boy, oh boy, this is the real deal. And we need to be on the team. That's going to wrestle this thing to the ground through, through our cooperation, through our prayer, through our support. But so, it, it hurts me when I see people, and especially when I see um, in some states they are flaunting it and they are going to the beaches and they are doing whatever they want. And I, I, feel, I feel badly about that. So how do we connect at this time of year if we're looking to, you know, not everybody celebrates Easter or acknowledges Passover or, you know, there's all sorts of things that, that other people can't relate to. But I think people can relate to the idea that often on long weekends or other, we do try to get together and we can't do yeah. that at these times. We can't do that right is, now. and We can't connect. Is that, is that for immediate family of under 10? Are they well, not allowed to get together? There's social gathering rules. There are 10 people or less, but fundamentally the message to people is to just to to be with your own family where you can and so it's unnecessary in the eyes of public health officials you know there are very limited reasons where it would be necessary to get together uh beyond your own family pastor martin so the the advice is still to keep it limited to your own home and so people might look at those rules different differently and and we'll do our best to flesh those out as we go forward yeah i I have grandchildren i have grandchildren too you know yeah, so they're pretty important for sure. Uh, my kids have grandparents that they won't be seeing though for this Easter, and so that's different. Uh, so how do uh, we how do we still connect? How do we still? What's your message to those who might be looking to? You can't go to your church. You can't do what you wanted to do. But there's got to be other ways to get in touch with yeah. your spiritual side if you have one. Well, I think uh, FaceTime is a is a wonderful invention. So that could be the family if. If the family have traditions, they can. It's it's kind of it's kind of neat. I I've learned the the benefits of Zoom. I'm not trying to promote one over another, but but that's what we're using. And I'm meeting with people. Last Saturday morning, I had twenty two or three people on a Zoom call, and we all prayed together from and and we have origins from all around the world. The traditions of prayer are just so wonderful and we had a great meeting together and we prayed about this COVID-19 we prayed for our prime minister so we are we are continuing to function as a faith community through the wonderful uh, technology that we enjoy and and it's even so simple that I can do it I get on these meetings without any help So it works. Pastor Bruce Martin is the lead pastor for the Calvary Temple, joining us live on 680 CJOB. And your next service online, when will that be? Uh, Good Friday at 11 o'clock in the morning. 
uh, and we also, my wife and I, do a little Bible study online. We normally do that Wednesday night, sing out of a hymnal, and so we've been doing it uh, two or three weeks here, and just sitting at our dining room table and talking to people. So that's that's tonight at uh, at I think it goes on at seven thirty. And and then Good Friday at eleven in the morning, and then Sunday we live stream at ten ten in the morning. We don't have our three services as we normally do, but we do this live stream. I actually go down to the church. We have less than ten people, couple people producing and cameras, and and we go live from the from the four forty Hargrave and. It's been working really well. The website is ctwinnipeg.com. Once again, ctwinnipeg.com. Pastor Bruce Martin, thank you very much, sir. We appreciate this. Boy, it's great to talk. Have a good day. Summer is still months away, but summer rules are now in place on some active transportation routes in hopes of helping Winnipeggers have a place to walk, run, or bike, from, but from a socially safe distance. So what that means is motor vehicle traffic. It's limited from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. on routes like Lindell Drive, Wellington Crescent, and Wolseley Avenue. And this, again, as Brett said, it's about keeping people safe, although we know there are a small minority of Winnipeggers and Manitobans who might be ignoring some of those key social distancing rules, particularly as we head into this Easter weekend. So we want to bring in Winnipeg's Mayor, Brian Bowman, now just to talk about the message that needs to get out there and what more needs to be done. Good morning, Mr. Bowman. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're pretty good. You know, I think that a lot of us are, are seeing how much our neighbours and friends and family are getting what needs to be done here, but they're they're are those pictures we still see of people playing soccer on fields and all the rest? And so what do you yeah. want to say to them this morning? What's your message to encourage people to stop gathering like that? Well, I would take the recommendations from Manitoba Health and the public health orders uh, deadly serious because uh, they are having deadly consequences uh, around the globe and here in, in Winnipeg and in Manitoba. And so, you know, I, I do want to thank all those Winnipeggers who are following the orders from uh, Manitoba Health, and the vast majority of people are, and they're working really hard to comply. But you're right, there's a, a minority of people who uh, seem to think they and the community is invincible, and they're wrong, um, because they're putting their own health at risk, and they're also putting the health of our of our community at risk as well. Mayor Bowman, one of the, I guess, the, the great escapes for people is getting out of the house and, and getting active. And doing that safely, of course, includes keeping separation from people that you don't know. But also now uh, spring has sprung. Uh, that doesn't mean we're not going to get any more snow. But is spring cleanup, is that uh, on, on tap? Is that going to be happening as, as usual as there's so much gravel and other debris uh, lying around from the fall? Uh, some of it still from that snowstorm we had in October. Yeah, the short answer is yes, uh, spring cleanup will still happen. Um, of course, uh, we're, we're going to be challenged to some extent by the fact that uh, normally uh, vehicles are, are off the roads and people are out at work and there's more people at home. Um, but uh, our public service will, will do their best to, uh, to manage that, that reality. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the, the business continuity of, of city services needs to continue, including spring cleanup. So as we look forward... And then by that, mean, I mean, look ahead, I suppose is the better word, uh, Mayor Bowman, to the theory that we're in this for the long haul. Dr. Roosten even saying yesterday that, you know, we might be looking at these safety measures, these social distancing measures until there's a vaccine in place. That's how long it might be. Timeline can change, but it's not just a couple of days away or weeks away. As we go forward, what changes need to be happening at, from the city's perspective in terms of just other operations you might have to consider scaling back or looking at differently? Well, I mean, the one thing that uh, we've seen is we've seen our own revenues drop significantly. Um, you know, it's not like businesses. I think they've been hit a lot harder. Some have, have had a complete elimination of the revenues. But municipalities across Canada are seeing significant drop in their, in their, in their revenues. And so you're right, working within a balanced budget legislation, uh, we are carefully scrutinizing and our finance committee will be receiving public reports on a monthly basis uh, at the request of our finance chair, uh, Councillor Scott Gillingham. And so 
we have work to do. Um, we did start the dialogue with uh, other levels of government regarding the, the anticipated financial need that municipalities would have across Canada. Uh, the federal government has been the most engaged in, and active in that discussion, and so we're continuing to work in uh, collaboration with the federal government on that issue. And we've had direct dialogue with uh, Deputy Prime Minister as well as Minister McKenna and, and many other uh, MLMPs, uh, including uh, yesterday I spoke with uh, with Jim Carr. And uh, so we're, we're going to keep uh, having that discussion. But in the meantime, we have a job to do in protecting the health and safety of our residents. And that's our focus right now. Residents and uh, workers, what has the city done, Mayor Bowman, to make sure your workers uh, can continue to do their jobs, but to, to do it safely? Well, in some cases, we've uh, we've stopped offering certain services, and so you know, one of the first things that we did was we we closed uh, the libraries and the pools and and other uh, other city facilities, but. For those that are continuing to operate, we, um, you know, the the Manitoba uh, public health orders uh, don't apply to municipal governments and their operations, but we are still uh, doing our best to ensure that the physical distancing uh, orders and recommendations are being complied with. So there's a lot of work happening in a number of uh, departments and uh we're also, we've got a lot of folks that are working remotely, including members of council, uh, most of whom are working from home, but are continuing to, uh, to, to provide the services to their the residents and their wards. If you could clarify that for me, and I recognize you're not the operations manager, manager here, you're not working directly with infrastructure, so the answer might be hard to give, Mr. Mayor, but when you say that the public health order doesn't apply, does that mean there might be scenarios? Because we've had a few texts from listeners asking about city workers potentially being in the same truck or other. Is that what you're talking about, uh, that they might not, they might be allowed to do that, or do you know? Uh, well, yeah, Manitoba Health has been very clear in their in their public health orders. Um, the work of of governments uh, are they don't apply to them strictly speaking. Uh, we are nonetheless uh, taking measures to ensure that physical distancing and other measures are being um, are being uh, addressed in the workplace. And so you you'd be best to to speak with the health minister and and public health officials on that. But they've they've been pretty clear in. Uh, in, in who it applies to and who it doesn't. Um, that being said, these are Winnipeggers and we want to protect their health and safety. And so, um, you know, not only are, have we reduced certain services, but we're also taking measures to ensure that uh, the physical distancing, which is the, the most visible thing that you can see, uh, additional cleaning and things like that are occurring. A bid still going out for road work uh, that's anticipated to potentially or hopefully happen over the summer, Mayor Bowman, before we let you run? Yeah, um, so th- that that is something that had been raised uh, directly to me by uh, folks in the construction industry and uh, and and in the business community is that you know we're we are a major uh, employer when you know when you take a look at the amount of um, uh, road work and and other construction work that uh, is driven by municipal dollars and one of the things that I want to see uh, continue is to see uh, that work uh, continue. I want to make sure that we're uh, we're getting the job done, but we're also making sure that we're not uh, doubling down on the financial impact in our community. And so uh, our materials management and our procurement processes are continuing. Uh, to date, the last update I received is, is they haven't been slowed. And uh, you'll see the, the committee process begin electronically in the coming weeks. And, and that, that's to ensure that those, those RFPs and those contracts are, are unaffected. Winnipeg Mayor Brian Bowman joining us live on 680 CJOB. Mr. Mayor, thank you for the time as always, sir. Thank you very much. Happy Passover and Easter to uh, to you and all listeners out there. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb in our next half hour, we are going to talk about how more people are turning to processed foods, you know, salty snacks, meals in a box, looking for comfort during the pandemic and the question of the day at cjob.com which is brought to you by mr furnace don't call them first you'll see why call mr furnace at 204-832-6243 what do you eat for comfort excluding takeout or delivery and the options are chips or salty snacks chocolate or candy meals in a can or a box mom's recipes you can cast your vote at cjob.com or on Twitter at 680CJOB. And hey, when it comes to chocolate, who brings a lot of chocolate there in but the Easter Bunny? Oh, 
And he's crucial this time of year for so many people, which is why kids have a pretty crucial question in this new reality. So New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinta Ardern, Quebec and Ontario Premiers Francois Legault and Doug Ford, they gave some direct answers, Greg. And that prompted the news right here on 680 CGOB, hosted by Richard Cluche and Julie Buckingham to reach out to Manitoba's health minister as well. Here's what uh, they all had to say. You'll be pleased to know um, that we do consider both the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny to be essential workers. Um, but as you can imagine at this time, of course, they're going to be um, potentially quite busy at home with, with, their, with their family as well and their own bunnies. And so um, I say to the children of New Zealand, if the Easter Bunny doesn't make it to your household, um, then uh, we have to understand that it's a bit difficult at the moment for the bunny to perhaps get everywhere. She wants to know whether the tooth fairy is still traveling around despite confinement. So I want to tell Raphael and all children that I made sure that the tooth fairy will now be on the list of essential services. So that will continue. And I want to also reassure all parents, the tooth fairy is has immunity against the coronavirus. So there is no danger. The Tooth Fairy will continue doing her excellent work. Raphael, thank you for your question. On a, on a little little lighter note, I know almost it's so tough um, for the younger kids to explain with their, you know, from their mom or their dad uh, what, what's going on right now. And the kids have like simple things uh, that they're worried about. They're worried about, I've heard, the Tooth Fairy. They've heard about the Easter Bunny, and I, I've seen what uh, New Zealand has done. I, I heard the, the mayor this morning, too. Uh, so the kids, the Easter Bunny has uh, become an essential essential service, and uh, they'll make sure they, they have the chocolates uh, ready for, for Easter. So I, I know it's uh, tough on, on families right now, and, and uh, just enjoy uh, Passover and Easter uh, to the, the best of your, your ability, and, and thank you. As the Health Minister for the province of Manitoba, we know that there are many concerns about COVID-19, and this includes children who have many concerns. But today there's a bit of good news because it is important for everyone to know that both the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny have been added to the list of essential workers in Manitoba. We have given them clearance to continue their important work, but we are asking them to make sure, for instance, that the Easter Bunny is washing their paws and washing their carrots, and also that the Tooth Fairy is making sure they wash their wand. Also, I should mention that, kids, here's a hint, the bunny may be hiding eggs a minimum two meters apart. And also, when it comes to the Tooth Fairy, we have given the Tooth Fairy the jurisdiction ability to cross provincial boundaries so that's good news as well and that is good news in the sense uh, that the tooth fairy is now delivering 20 to 27 dollars uh, tooth <laughs> so you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to keep the kids from that lucrative payout 20 okay. bucks for a tooth i still can't get over that i think in that case i don't want to point fingers at the tooth fairy the tooth fairy may have had a glass of wine oh yeah delivery i'm not 100 percent on that $27 scenario, but that's my guess. Okay. That's my guess. Well, I'm hearing that the tooth fairies are having a hard time getting other than um, $20 bills out of the ATM, and that's causing a problem as well because, uh, you know, that's just what they spit out, most of them. So, uh, yeah, uh, maybe we just have to go to a, a different system here. So, you know what the system might be in some houses? I don't, I don't know. I can't verify this because I haven't caught her in action, but I think the tooth fairy sometimes dips in to the kid's own piggy bank. Oh, wow. That couldn't possibly happen, could it? Hey, I don't know. Hey, when it comes to Easter snacks, do you guys, like, we remember when you were kids, what, uh, like, Loren, what was your favorite uh, that the Easter Bunny would bring? This is super bizarre, but in our house, because it wasn't chocolate, the Easter Bunny used to hide uh, jujubes, and, uh, and I love ever since, and this is where I get gross, so you wouldn't always be able to find all the jujubes and six months would go by and all of a sudden you'd find one behind the piano or no. under a chair. And then I'd be like, yes. And <laughs> I now only like candy that has a bit of that super chewy stale quality to it. Like if you open up a bag of jujubes and leave them on the counter for three to five months, I'm in. What? Sounds like the dust bunny and the Easter bunny are in <laughs> cahoots on this one. <laughs> Wow. I hope you wash it off first. 
Nah. <laughs> Good lord! You must. Your stomach must be made of iron. Mackling, how about you? Uh, I always liked uh, the the bunnies, the chocolate bunnies with the rice krispies in them. Oh, chocolate bunnies with favorite. rice krispies. Mm-hmm. I don't my know. My mom that. knew. Yeah, you never had. I don't think so. Mm, the best, absolutely the best. The, the hollow chocolate bunnies were pretty good too. When you bite their ears off and just kind of start the top and work your way down, I think everybody starts with the ears, right? Yeah, that seems like the good starting point. Although I, I always used to feel guilty, like I was, like I was hurting the bunny somehow. I don't know. I, I, you were. Yeah, you were. Yeah, I guess so. I I like how they've adapted because I was never a fan of the. I always loved the commercials, the Cadbury cream egg. But I never actually liked the Cadbury cream egg. So I like what they've been doing over recent years. They're now adding all kinds of different flavors. Like you can get Oreo eggs and and, uh, I think there might be a Kit Kat egg. I'm not entirely sure about that, but different eggs like that. When it comes to mini eggs, I'm glad that's become a treat that you can get year round. Because I don't know that there is a chocolate treat that I can inhale as much as mini eggs. Like if you put a bag of mini eggs in front of me, I can't have just two or, you know, like a small handful. I will eat that whole bag and I will eat it in approximately 90 seconds, which eventually leads to a massive sugar crash, but it's uh, usually worth it. I love the mini eggs. Do you feel like at this time of year, and the same goes with Halloween, when things are made for a specific occasion they taste differently like the o henry bars which we no longer have at our house because of our son's nut allergy but the easter o henry bars in that smaller size are far superior to the normal o henry does that make any sense no <laughs> thank you just there go I, I honestly go do a taste test today if you can okay. a big one and then an easter bunny one or you know what i'll online purchase these and bring them to you guys when this is all over and i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you you'll pick the easter o henry maybe there is a bigger chocolate to uh insides ratio with the little ones right like maybe they they have to make them uh so small that they end up putting more chocolate on top of them i don't know uh i'm not a huge o henry fan anyway i always go with the kit kat Mm. uh, when it comes to chocolate bars and smarties I hate, they changed Smarties years they back. They did. And I hate them now. I just hate them. I used to love Smarties, but they, what did they do? They took the, it's an all, it's a natural. They're healthier. Yeah. You know? They don't have the food, the same kind of food dye or number four or whatever the number is, but you're right. It's like when, uh, what soup company, they switch to low salt soup, reduced salt, and then you try that. You're like, that sounds healthier. And then you're like, why would I want less salt in my life? This is terrible. <laughs> Yeah, Smarties, they might have well just put me in a car and driven me right to the M&M's plant after they did that <laughs> yeah. because I went from Smarties to M&M's. They do not taste the same in any way, shape, or form. It's like they're they're mostly candy as well. Like they're, I find them more crunchy because my kids don't like them either. That's inevitably the last thing that's left in their Halloween bag are those mini boxes of Smarties. And when I'm really desperate, I'll, I'll have Smarties, but uh, M&M's all the way, baby. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you so much for joining us today on The Start on 680 CJOB. And right now we want to revisit a conversation we had uh, about an hour and a half ago, Loren, because we got a text message uh, from somebody who works in the healthcare service. Yeah, and they write to say that they were concerned about comments that were made by a pastor we had on this morning who was talking about whether gatherings of less than 10 were acceptable for Easter and his desire to see his grandchildren. And uh, I had written back that I had worked my best to clarify that, but we had Pastor Bruce Martin on from Calvary Temple, and we were talking about the Easter season and that desire to be together and how churches aren't operating as usual, a lot doing online services. And in that conversation, it was mentioned about the idea that, well, aren't gatherings of 10 or less acceptable? The message from the Provincial Health Health authorities and Dr. Brent Rusin this week is is that extended family should not be coming over to your house for Easter. You shouldn't be going over to someone's house for Easter or Passover, which starts tonight. The goal is to celebrate with people who are within your own home. And while that makes it particularly hard on everyone from people who live alone to maybe seniors who are alone or, or grandparents who want to be with their grandkids this time of year, that that ten person gathering is not applicable to a holiday Easter gathering. Stay home, stay with your own, stay with the people that you live with, Greg. Yes, and you know what? Uh, I had a conversation with somebody yesterday and I clarified it this way because there there are questions about what to do on this special weekend. And of course, we are missing the ones that we love, people that we care about that do not live under the same 
roof as us, the way you prove how much you love them is to stay away from them right now. It's just plain and simply the way it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, you can't, uh, a gathering of 10 people in a, in a larger space where you can be separated is one thing, but if you cram 10 people into a house, uh, regardless of whether or not you're family, you're going to be shoulder to shoulder in that sort of context. So, uh, yeah, it's tough. It's going to be a tough weekend, I think, for a lot of families. And, uh, you know, for someone like me, I live alone, so it'll be me and uh, a pizza. And I suspect uh, my buddy uh, uh, Johnny Bacardi is going to join me. And, uh, yeah, it'll be a good Friday. Oh, good Friday I just night got indeed. that. <laughs> I was like, I haven't heard you mention this, Johnny Bacardi. Oh, no, I've seen you with Johnny Bacardi, though. I, guess, I got it. I, guess I got I, it. I guess I should have gone with the first name, Ron Bacardi. So, <laughs> We want to discuss the headline that, Greg, you forwarded this morning from the New York Times. I just need the comfort. Processed foods make a pandemic comeback. What's going on there? Well, shoppers apparently are being moved by nostalgia and are hunting for longer shelf life foods. And they're returning to old standbys like Chef Boyardee and Campbell's Soup. So I think there's a mixed mixed reason for this. One is people are thinking about long term, right? What can I stock up on that will that will stand the test of time. The expiry date is sometime in 2030 or similar. And so that's one side of it. But people are also looking for comfort, something that's familiar, something that makes them think about their youth. And I'll just read this uh, uh, first couple of sentences from this New York Times article. Just a few months ago, Sue Smith considered herself a healthy eater. She ate salads with kale and quinoa. She counted calories. She eliminated processed sugar from her diet. She avoided dairy products, but in the past month, as the coronavirus pandemic made her household, Ms. Smith, a writer in Los Angeles, began shopping and eating completely differently. During a trip to the grocery store, she bought SpaghettiOs, she threw two large boxes of goldfish crackers into her shopping cart, and she went all in on dairy, especially ice cream and ice cream bars. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, I, first, I say yuck. You mentioned the word kale, and I just immediately sort of <laughs> felt a little bile coming up. God, I hate kale. Just sedig uh, alas, as uh, Tristan Field Jones would say. He does not, does he? Well, yeah. Well, yes, no. Usually, usually I say sedig alas, and then he'll say sedig <laughs> tongue because uh, you know he's French. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, just looking at the results of our question of the day so far at cjob.com. It is more people turning to salty snacks and processed foods for comfort. What do you eat for comfort, excluding takeout delivery? 43% say mom's recipes. 33% say chips or salty snacks. 19% chocolate slash candy. And 5% meals in a can or a box, Loren. Ooh, I love that. I love the mom's recipe thing. I We actually got our mom a few years ago to put a book together with her and her sisters and her brothers, like recipes that have been passed on down through the generation. So there's a ton of stuff in there like shepherd's pie and chili. And we had on um, from the, from about pierogies to talk about pierogies at eight forty five. And my mom has a recipe for a sauce that she puts on it, which is basically just bacon, mushroom soup, sour cream. So it's all salt. And then you pour it over top of the pierogies and it is so good. Is oh it Campbell's God. soup? Yeah. Mushroom Campbell's soup. And then you right. add onions, sorry, and bacon. And then mm-hmm. once it's all heated, at the very end, just throw in a dollop of sour cream. Just a dollop. <laughs> and uh, you will be coming out of your bed at 3 a.m. to dip your fingers into that Tupperware container. Let me tell you that much. You're like, is any of the uh, sauce less? Sure. Do you want me to heat you up some pierogies? Nope. Just want that sauce. <laughs> that sounds great. And it has to be the 14% sour cream. It's not this uh, this 0% or this 7% light sour cream. Why are you bothering even making that stuff? Uh, that's that's just a waste. Hey, you know how, how we, I like to talk about stats, and I'll, I'll throw these at you before I jump out here, is many large food businesses like uh, the Campbell Soup Company, they'd seen a steady decline in soup sales for the last two years. Hmm. They're so busy, they're actually ramping up production and temporarily increasing wages for hourly employees to meet the higher demand. In the last month, sales of Campbell's soup soared 59% 
from a year earlier. Prego pasta sauce increased 52% and sales of Pepperidge Farm uh, goldfish crackers climbed nearly 23%. They're saying this, seeing the same thing at, at Kraft Heinz Foods as well. So this is, this is a, a little bit of a phenomenon, a little blip on the radar, but uh, very good reasons why we're seeing it. I am having a very hard time. I mentioned this earlier in the show, but I'm having a hard time staying healthy. Like yesterday I was sitting at home and uh, like for the last year I've I, uh, I've lost weight and I've been able to keep it off because I, I've always been sort of a teeter-totter with my weight. I'll lose weight, I'll gain it, I'll lose it, I'll gain it, but I've been able to keep it off. Uh, but now that I can't go to the gym. I find I'm less active. You know, it's being it's become hard to motivate myself to to exercise at home other than go for a walk. And the diet as well. The temptation now to suddenly order more takeout. Like yesterday, I I was at war with myself because I was so desperate to order takeout, but I ended up just making like a just a small bowl of salad with spinach instead of lettuce, and uh, I was so unhappy about it. But <laughs> yeah, like when I go through the grocery store. I like, uh, you know, meals in a box. I love hamburger helper. I love craft dinner. I love and the chips, the conversation about chips and dip. Uh, that has been, you know, like how you've always got a song in your head. I have had chips and dip in my head all week long. Chips and dip and chips. That one? Yeah. No, it's just, it's just there. I, just this image of chips and dip. It's just <laughs> hovering sort of above all my thoughts uh, because I want to eat chips and dip so bad. And, and it, it's this pandemic. It's making me just want to eat out of sheer boredom and mm-hmm. to to for the comfort because you know it's stressful right now and i have been a bit worried i've actually seen a few posts about this on social media with the idea that you know we're all potentially eating more if we have the ability to eat more first of all if we're fortunate enough to have that food in our pantry or our freezer already or able to you know click and collect and get it delivered but there were some comments from uh friends of mine who were saying you know like say their kids have moved home right uh, they may have lost their jobs or school ended early, university ended early. So you have now have in some households more people living at home. You might have uh, someone who lost a job who's now at home. So you might be consuming more, eating more, ordering more for safety. Then your water bills are up. We talked about that last week, Greg, because the, the dishes, everyone, there's twice as many meals being eaten at home. So everybody is just consuming more and it's a, uh, it's a challenge because it is so very comforting. Like you mentioned that salad and I just felt sad for you, Brett. <laughs> sad. I, I was sad too, but I was also <laughs> I was also proud of myself because I sure. resisted the urge to to do the the takeout uh, because I I get takeout every weekend at the very least, but I've been increasing the the how much I consume during the week and that's that's a slippery slope, right? Because your brain starts to crave uh, the, the, that kind of food, and then it can just derail you completely if you're on a healthy train. And this article also p- has a picture here of cans of Chef Boyardee stacked mm-hmm. on top of each other. I used to love just cracking open a can of ravioli and then melting some cheddar cheese on it, and I'm so tempted to go do that. I haven't done that in over, a, I bet you, 15 years from when I was a younger lad, uh, but now I, I, I'm almost getting to the point where I think, what the hell? It's the exact same food, but do you prefer the ravioli over the beefaroni? Yes. Or beefar- yes? Yeah. See, see, I'm a beefaroni guy, but it's the exact same components, same ingredients, just how they present it and how they put it together is different. Yet there is a distinct uh, difference in terms of preference for so many people. I knew you were going to jump on the ravioli too. I like is- the beefaroni. I don't give. I like it, but if I had to pick, no, under my if head, you had to pick. Yeah, it would be the ravioli. Yeah. I like. I like yeah. the the texture. I think. I don't know. Um, but now maybe maybe I'll have to go buy both of them and just have. Uh, maybe I'll like. Oh, what if I go rogue and just put them all, like put both no. cans in the same bowl? No, here's oh. what we're going to do, Brett. You're going to do a taste test with both of those. Okay. And while you're at the store or getting the stuff delivered, you're going to get the Easter O. Henry and the normal <laughs> O. Henry. You're going to blindfold yourself, bring us all in on a WhatsApp chat, and you're going to tell us which one tastes better via the blindfold. Oh, you want me to blindfold myself while yes. I eat beefaroni yes, and ravioli? That's going to be do. a disaster. Well, you know what? If it's a video chat, it's a disaster for you. You know you're all, for me. You know you're already washing that shirt anyway. Yeah. It's impossible to eat that stuff. Do you use a fork or a spoon? There's the other question. Uh, with ravioli, it would be, I, I like to use a fork because I usually like to cut the pieces in half before I eat them. Or, or, or I'll get the mini ravioli and then I can just 
grab them one by one at a time, oh, or or even or even stack them. Actually, like I'll I'll stack I'll go one, two, three, and see how many I can fit onto the fork. I forgot about the mini ravioli. Good pull, McGarry. Yeah, I just remembered it too. We did have somebody supporting you, Loren, by the way, on the uh, the Easter. Uh, oh, Henry, I can't remember who it was. Uh, oh, Paul, who says, "Hey, you are so right about the O Henry bars." So you're Thank not you. imagining it. No, I Loren know I'm printed not. Printed off that text and it's <laughs> oh, yeah. framed and hanging in her in her office already. I believe what he said was I was right about everything. That's how oh, I read that. Okay. I didn't think it was O Henry specific. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no, she's not. It's uh, it's okay, Loren. It's okay. You know. 99% of everything. I can I can let a I can let a percent or two go. You're right, Loren. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.